This week, an extended piece on cover crops and direct drilling as we're back out in the field with Andrew Ward and Steve Corbett. We got off to a bad start last year. We did manage to drill one section of the field um, just to see a, a direct drill working. But essentially we took the decision to take the field out and put it into a fallow situation for a year to give us the best chance. Plus tips on avoiding the pitfalls of development overage. You've got to really be very cautious about how you do the drafting. You've got to get it right at the outset. Otherwise it won't be worth the paper it's written on. Good morning, I'm Ellie Codling with your farming programme this week. A week in which a one in a million event happened in East Yorkshire. A ewe at Sledmere House gave birth to five Charolais cross lambs, all of which survived and are doing well. Apparently it did come as a big surprise to all involved, as she had been scanned for four and the fifth came along as an added bonus. The only slight complication has been that the mum can't produce enough milk to feed all five lambs, so they're being topped up with additional milk to take the pressure off a little so we hope they continue to do really well. Now I know a lot of you are busy lambing at the moment with Easter next weekend we'll discuss it in a little more detail on next week's programme. With Easter on its way I know many of you are also busy drilling and that's the focus of this week's farming programme. Agri held its iFarm open morning at the farm of Andrew Ward at Lednam this week so what was on the agenda? Andrew sent us this report. Right, I'm with uh, Steve Corbett of Agri. Steve, we've just had our iFarm uh, open morning this morning with about 50-odd um, farmers. Yeah, attendance, Andrew. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. I was surprised with the, with the workload that people have got. Um, one of the things we looked at was this cover crop field that we've got, and we did this last year as a, as a long-term experiment to take it out of our normal system, and so we're going to have cover crops and, and direct drilling in here. Just to look at what we've done last year, it was a bit of a, um, a, a not a failure last year, but it, it didn't go quite according to plan, did it? Now we came out of a all-seed rape uh, as the previous crop, and the pressure behind the all-seed rape from slug activity, particularly last year, was high. Uh, and so cover crops aren't going to help in that situation necessarily, particularly some of those species. You've got black oats um, and uh, radishes that we had in there, which will harbour slugs we know. So um, we got off to a bad start last year. We did manage to drill one section of the field um, just to see a, a direct drill working, but essentially we took the decision to take the field out and put it into a fallow situation for a year to give us the best chance of establishing cover crops then in the following August um, to get the best start. Yeah, and I mean, the reason why I've done this, I think that uh, there's a lot of talk at the minute about cover crops and direct drilling. However, you know, this is very heavy soil, isn't it, as, as we know. And at the moment, we have a system here that works very well based on the solo and, and, our, and our free flow drill. And it's, it's like Danny Cowley in Lincoln City. Why change a, a winning formula and a winning team? Well, and, and so, uh, you know, so that's why I am sort yeah. of want to do yeah. this and have a field devoted to this. But yeah, so it, it sort of uh, failed and we followed it last year. And then we went through in the summer and we actually cultivated it because we, we think that you, you direct drilling heavy soils is not the way to go for cover crops no um if the soil's not ready for direct drilling any crop's going to going to struggle to establish and particularly some of these species that we're talking about the veggies clovers etc are going to be amongst that uh, that issue so essentially we put the the, the cultivator through to uh, um, alleviate any uh, particular issues with uh, soil structure etc um to establish then, um, in the August, we established uh, various cover crops. We've got two in here, two particular mixes we've used. One is a structurator, so that's using 
all radish and tillage radish and a black oat. Essentially what we're trying to do there is to get those roots, particularly the radish, to go down further and help alleviate or hold any soil structure changes that we've made, improvements that we've made. So on this heavy soil type, trying to hold open the, the, the soil structure uh, to enable then drilling the following spring. Do you think we got the results that you're looking for here um, or do we need something different for this next year? For this next year, Andrew, I think what we're looking at is an even better establishment. We really want 20, 30 kilos of nitrogen. Uh, when we establish these, these covers, they do need that kick away. So they've got a very short growing period to actually, before winter comes, to actually establish. Mm. So we've got to get them uh, growing quicker. We need more biomass and more rooting, I think, to, to see that soil structure. But it's a, it's a slow, medium process. We, we know from the work we've done elsewhere that uh, this is a three, four-year build-up process. Mm. And we're just in year one, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah, um, we have right. to make the most of, um, certainly, that early growth from some of these species. And then just going on to this other side here, just walk a few yards of the way, we've got a different uh, cover crop, we split the field in half, and so we've got a different one here, just explain what we've got here. Yeah, the second half here we've gone for a nutrient capture mix, so that's looking at uh, using some legumes uh, with the, the vetches, um, we've got mustard and a phacelia as well in this side, so all these are going to... Uh, capture nutrients and make those available to the next crop um, so different uh, different to the first side there we're not looking at deep rooting or deep uh, soil structure changes what we will see from from some of this mix and what we are seeing is particularly the phacelia is trying to create a drilling zone so it's a very shallow sort of two three inch uh, uh, rooting zone from those from that species and if we can maintain that and drill straight into that with a direct drill type approach mm. we're not going to move too much soil come that right, following right. spring what's your view on the drills because obviously there are a lot of drills and a lot of different machines out there on the market at the moment uh, some are, are older drills that have just been slightly adapted to cope with direct drilling and some are completely new machines what what's your view on those at the minute because there's a lot of a uh, range to choose from absolutely it's mind-blowing the way yes. to, to which way to go but, and the uh, money of those involved in doing well, that you know, you, you, you can't go into this light-heartedly, really, really the right decision. But uh, we, we've used quite effectively, for instance, uh, a conventional um, uh, Lemkin solitaire drill, which isn't a direct drill, but I've used that quite effectively into some of these covers where I've got the soil structure to just allow me to drill uh, with that drill that, as I say, isn't a direct drill. But um, the other drill, dr drills available, I mean, many manufacturers going down this route, whether it be Porsche uh, uh, avatars, mm. whether it be John Deere's, whether it be sky drills, etc., or the weavings. A lot of them going down this direct drill, uh, sort of disc type approach. Um, and uh, for sure, there are some benefits with that system, with those systems. But uh, again, you've got to have the right soil structure. You've got to have conditions that allow you to directly sow um, and not cultivate and that's a real challenge it uh, is. on some soils and I think especially this soil that's very heavy clays well, yeah. you know, the one thing that I think is the biggest issue you have and the biggest challenge is actually being able to close the slot and, and actually cover the seed up yeah and the more we work with these covers so three four years worth of work 
um, working with that top uh, soil layer, that drilling zone as I call it, the more friable that is, the more successful we are at closing this slot. Um, we've got on better this year than we did the previous year here, certainly Andrew, uh, drilling conditions were better, we've had a drier, yeah. uh, drier uh, spring uh, which has favoured that, but, um, and on the whole we've not done a bad job, but still closing that slot is, is quite a challenge on some sorts. And looking at it, we've, we've stood in the middle of the field, we've actually drilled two different crops here, haven't we? We've got spring wheat and, and spring barley. Yep, so following those two uh, uh, cover crop mixes, we've now decided, because uh, again you've, you've split your, your uh, spring barley acreage with uh, spring wheat as well, so we've got spring wheat kilburn. We've drilled out of 500 seeds per square metre, which is a high uh, seed rate, but essentially the idea there is to get the maximum from the crop competition effect. Um, so we're looking again at blackgrass, we're trying to get maximum amount of crop competition as we say with those 500 seeds so that's Kilburn spring wheat um, the spring barley in here we've got drilled at uh, 400 seeds and again the same reason we want enough plants uh, enough vigorous plant uh, to, to get, bring the crop competition effect that we know is so um, so necessary. Yeah, I mean, on the rest of the farm here, spring barley for us has proved very successful in, in sort of competing and smothering the black grass. So I think having the two here side by side will be very interesting to see the difference. It'll be very interesting. And uh, the other thing we've done here is, uh, and I think it's an important part of this whole system, we've actually placed fertiliser. So we've got a, around about 30 kilos of nitrogen with the DAP product. Uh, essentially that's been placed at the same time as drilling an important component when you're drilling into cover crops or direct drilling into straw heavy la straw layers you do need that uh, early nutrition to be available particularly in the spring crop you've got to get that crop off to a, a flying start so we've got a placement fertilizer system in here as well to compare. You would always advocate would you start a fertilizer to get the crop off, get I it think, going? Uh, yeah absolutely start a fertilizers to me are a key part of growing particularly spring crops we want maximum vigor early on to get above and compete uh, or out compete any black grass and it's the yield benefit as well to actually get a flying start we don't want that crop searching for nutrients um, and certainly the placement of fertilizer there it's an old system. It's yeah, been around yeah. a long time, but we've just got now some of these drill units will actually take the fertilizer as well as the seed. Yes, uh, really, really useful. Yeah. Of course, one thing we haven't mentioned here is what the uh, the field was treated with, what we did to it um, to get rid of the cover crop, and uh, and we used a, a certain chemical that's got a lot of uh, talk about at the moment. Sure, I mean um, this has had uh, one spray off. Um, two three days before drilling um, with glyphosate so the glyphosate product that was used here uh, or the chemical that was used here to remove the cover crop and uh, black grass within areas and of course it's a very topical point at the moment um, so so important that we actually maintain uh, this product it's all part and parcel of farming in within black grass on heavy lands and without it uh, we're really going to struggle so so it's really part and parcel of what we do with this system we've had one one glyphosate here as I say to remove cover crop and black grass um, and that uh, essentially is going to be enough in this case yeah and I think the you know, glyphosate enables us to keep farming and farming sustainably while sort of caring for the environment so I think it is important so anybody listening that uh, that hasn't written to them EPs or MPs and done anything about us keeping it please do so because uh, if we lose it this sort of thing will be very difficult to carry on very difficult to carry on and we'll see uh, I think more 
grass lays, fallow crops, uh, fallow situations come into play, it's going to be a very different different scenario if we uh, if we have to go down that route. So, uh, yeah, an important uh, part and parcel, important process within this uh, this system. Steve Corbett of Agri speaking there with Andrew Ward discussing direct drilling and cover crops. Now, I know it's an issue many of you are involved with, so what are your experiences? Please do get in touch with us. You can either email through the station website or tweet us at Farming Show if you're on Twitter. Hello, I'm Ellie Codling. There's no Sean Dunderdale this week. He's resting his voice and hopefully busy out shopping for my Easter egg for next weekend. I can only but hope. The other Sean is still with us though at Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Busy week, Sean? Yeah, real busy week. It's always good to listen to Wardy though, isn't it? He always a man who can use 15 words when five will do. Good old Wardy. Uh, <laughs> we take the mick, but he's a very well-respected farmer in the UK and uh, everybody knows him. I spoke at a dinner in Essex and actually most people there knew him as well. So uh, infamy, infamy, it's all of that. They've all got it infamy. So yeah, a lot happening out in the field at the moment. We are already getting farmers moaning that it's too dry, of course, which was an inevitability when you get three days of warm weather. Um, but it is drying on the top, underneath. I don't think these spring-planted crops have got any worries whatsoever with how much moisture there is underneath at the moment, certainly not for the short term Um, and it's very easy to get carried away with thinking how dry it is but things need to go into some sort of dust um, rather than the big horrible mucky squidgy old clods that we were dealing with a couple of weeks ago so spring drilling well underway spring wheat spring barley spring beans peas all of these things going in the ground now linseed even potatoes being mooted Um, the most important thing i can say and i keep banging on about it is for goodness sake get your pre-em herbicides on particularly peas and beans because your options are so limited post-emergent and some of the herbicides we use post-emergence in beans for example to control cranes bill if it's managed to get through or uh, brassica weeds things like bentazone can be quite harsh on the crop if you catch them wrong and you can get a yield penalty so the more good you can do pre-emergent the better now obviously we've got an issue uh, with linearon um, next year it won't be registered for use on spring beans and spring peas so um, we're going to have to get into the situation where we're going to have to use other products other than linearon it's not for safety reasons it's just for a registration reason um, so a few things to think about you can still use up any you've got left before the end of may next year so you do have time to use things like Athlon and lingo and linzone and those things but vitally important that you get those preems on same goes for spring cereals really um defy liberator pendamethalin all of those things uh, can be used pre-emergence remember the restrictions on avidex you can't use avidex pre-emergence on spring wheat anymore um, and what defines a spring wheat as far as atlantis application goes if you're going to put a, a contact material on is that the wheat was put in the ground before the first of february so anything after that becomes a spring wheat you can't use atlantis on a spring wheat so seed beds are pretty good actually in consideration of the season um, it's always good to get soil and seed contact and it's always good to get a nice firm even top seed bed so that the pre-emergence herbicides have a good layer to sit on that's not always uh, possible in a season like this where we've got conditions such as they've been so make the best of both worlds if you can and try and get as good as you can roll if possible to try and get a more even seed uh, base for the pre-emergence herbicides all seed rate absolutely romping away now full of bees um, pollen beetles no longer a threat they're now pollinators so don't worry about an insecticide you won't need it you will see pollen beetle stuck all over the front of your sprayer but don't worry about them because they're doing good now um, and light leaf spot still there so now would be the time 
first flowers to get your first fungicide on if you're thinking about topping up light leaf spot think of things like azoxystrobin don't dismiss those and the benefit they give you for the botrytis and the sclerotinia because we can find sclerotia around about the place maybe a little bit early but actually we keep saying don't rely on the calendar date it's what you see in the field and if you're seeing it you've got to deal with it um, potatoes starting to go in the ground now uh, pre-emergence herbicides obviously seven days pre-em you need to have them on before that crop comes up plus seven days um, because they can do damage to emerging crops so there's plenty of options for you out there but winter wheat winter barley t1 is upon us on the hybrid barleys t1 is also upon us growth stage 32 on the heath on the earlier drilled september drilled winter wheat varieties whether that be reflection or evolution or whatever and septoria is the main driver you've plenty of choices at t1 there's a lot of people will tell you a lot of things about all their products are better than everybody else's products the nuts and bolts of it are there's a lot of stem-based browning. That means you may have eye spot in there. You need to deal with that by growth stage 32. That means prothiaconazole or boscolid. They're the big two for eye spot control. Build your programs around those. The main two triazoles are epoxiconazole and prothiaconazole. Pick one of those. It's the best you can do for uh, septoria in particular. And for goodness sake, keep the chlorthalonil in there. The multi-site inhibitor protects the new growth and stops it spreading anymore. You make your own decision as to whether you want to use an SDHI, um, but just look at your varietal characteristics and don't assume that just because it says it's good, it is good because yellow rust is one of those varieties, one of those uh, diseases which is mutating at a rate of knots and changing itself to fit its own needs. So um, keep your eyes open, don't assume anything and just keep going, buckle up because it will be a bumpy ride. A bumpy ride indeed. Cheers. Thank you Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. On to open field then. The latest grain and cereal news. Tom Miller has our weekly update. Yeah, well, typically uh, half term week. Uh, it's that time of year. Farmers are out there. Weather's been good. Uh, conditions have been drying up, so people have been cracking on drilling, uh, spraying, fertilising, and that combined with half term week, uh, it's made for a quiet week really in, in all commodities. Um, but really, uh, UK prices remain in a narrow trading range. Uh, it would seem would be enough old crop wheat coming forward to meet uh, sh- nearby demand. Uh, the continued reports of imported feed wheat imports into the UK mainland, uh, which can't be discounted, uh, and that will cap price moves to the upside. Um, weather for growing crops is benign, albeit some concerns over dryness in parts of Europe and excessive rains in Argentina prior to row crop harvests. Rains in the US also potentially delaying maize planting, but too early to be concerned, while recent rains have brought relief to the US winter wheat crop, uh, but more is still needed. US stocks and acreage report last week confirmed more soybeans at the expense of wheat and maize, although it must be remembered uh, this survey was of planting intentions and therefore subject to change. Uh, the report was not bearish, as the funds had hoped uh, has, has hoped for, uh, which prompted a short covering rally following a large increase in their short positions in the run-up to the report. Um, so we're now really into, fully into a weather market, with all that entails added to the uh, political and economic uncertainty caused by Brexit and uh, Mr Trump. So uh, turbulent times uh, in oilseed markets this uh, last few weeks. Um, last Friday, USDA report again on the oil seeds for 2017 forecast soybean planted at over 89 million acres, uh, larger than the 88 million acres expected and considerably larger than last year. Uh, so this combined with uh, ever increase in Brazilian yields finally broke funds defence. So uh, we're around the $10 mark for beans uh, that quickly lost 7% of its price. 
uh, before finding some support at $9.30 a bushel. Uh, fund positions are now square, which has relieved the selling pressure for now, although with ever-increasing supply and stable demand, uh, some form of weather issue will be needed to support prices. Um, so closer to home in the UK market, rapeseed fell £21 in March, which is a big drop, um, with the Matif, the French market, falling while sterling strengthening uh Sorry, while strengthening currency added to our difficulties. Uh, recent days, the market has recovered some of its losses, but as we know, 120,000 tonne of imported rapeseed into Liverpool from Australia for February. Um, buyers have been relaxed. Well, we suspect uh, there's business to be written in May and June. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much remains on farm and whether a seed looking for home uh, with the imports that we've seen into the UK or if the shorts need to bid up to own the rapeseed. Um, the difference between the price between new crop and old crop, nobody wanting to carry over um, into the new crop from old crop. Uh, so let's have a quick look at prices. May feed wheat is 146 to 148x, July 149 to 150, November 17, 133 to 135. Uh, nearby Group 1 milling premiums remain poor um, at zero to a couple of pounds over feed. Feed barley is worth 120 to 122x for May. Harvest is worth 103 to 105, so again a big drop into new crop. And November 17 is 114 to 115. Old crop malt and barley prices are still supported by the middle market shorts at circa 20 to 25 overfeed. Uh, new crop spring malt and barley is 20 to 25 overfeed. Old crop rape is worth uh, circa 338x for May. New crop prices are currently around 296x farm for harvest. Um, or lower depending on the distance to the mill, uh, with an 8 to £10 carry to November. So the feed bean market uh, continues to be relatively flat with little demand and limited volume coming forward from farmers. Uh, attention is firmly on the land work and drilling. So April feed beans are worth 160x farm depending on location. Uh, new crop is little traded and talked about uh, as feed worth 162 to 164x for November. Tom Miller of Open Field. Now, you don't need me to tell you of the many pitfalls in agriculture. Well, what about selling your land? Did you ever consider this issue of development overage? It often catches many out. So Sean Dunderdale's been speaking with John T. Pearson of Wilkin Chapman Solicitors to find out more about an issue that can be a legal minefield. It's definitely got its place and it's a very valuable thing to sellers. Um, but equally, you've got to really be very cautious about how you do the drafting. and You've got to get it right at the outset. Otherwise, it won't be worth the paper it's written on. What are, the, what are the main pitfalls, would you say? Um, I would say enforceability. Um, you know, human nature is people don't want to pay for extra things after they've paid for the land. Um, so if you want to make sure you can enforce it against people in the future, you need to get it right. And it is watching out, isn't it? People, as you say, human nature is people aren't going to want to pay. So you've right at the outset, you've got to get that right. Uh, absolutely. And let's remember that when the overage becomes payable, it may not be the same person that you originally did the deal with that owns the land. Um, so, you know, you may have done the deal with somebody that you really trust, um, but later on you don't know who you're going to be dealing with. And, and you know, people will try all manner of tricks to get to get out of the uh, out of paying, if you like. I mean, one example you mentioned was, you know, there may be planning permission, but they might get planning permission for one house, pay you, go back and get planning permission for 100 more. Exactly. I mean, that example is that, you know, that there's an overage and they get planning permission on 10 acres for one house, pay it off, and then go off next day and get planning permission for 100 houses and say, well, we've paid your overage. It doesn't uh, apply to this particular planning permission. So you really need to be able to get that right and make sure it applies to everything during that overage period. I think what was interesting as well, you said, you know, don't be greedy. Don't ask for too much because that can trip you up. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, you could be fooled into thinking that you've done a very good deal by, um, say, getting an overage which has a very high payment if it ever comes about. But then you've got to think about, well, what's the chances of that payment ever coming about? Because there might not be anything in it for the landowner. Why would they want to ever trigger that overage if there's nothing in it for them? And is there a good time period for an overage or a bad one? It very much depends on what you're going to be um, looking at in terms of the triggers for overage in terms of the development type um, but normally you're looking at more than 10 years and you can see up to 50 years or even longer um, you don't want it too short otherwise a developer's going to sit there and say well I've waited this long I can wait it out and not pay you. John T. Pearson of Wilkin Chapman. On to the weather for the week ahead then. Today is sunny, warm as well, highs of 19 celsius, the wind from the southwest 20 to 25 miles an hour. There could be a sharp shower early evening, but it should then be dry overnight with clear spells pushing temperatures down to 4 degrees Celsius in places. The wind from the west, 15, gusting at 30 miles an hour. Tomorrow starts sunny, though there could be a shower in places, a cooler day, highs of 10 Celsius, and the wind from the northwest, 15 to 20 miles an hour. Overnight, patchy cloud, lows of 2 Celsius, the wind from the west, 10 to 15 miles an hour. Tuesday will be cloudy with again a shower or two possible, highs of 11 Celsius, the wind from west 20 to 30 miles an hour. It looks like it'll be a wet middle of the week, rain from Wednesday, highs of 10 Celsius, the wind continuing from the west 20, gusting to 35 miles an hour. Then the latter end of the week, a mixture of sunny spells and scattered showers, the wind still from the west, daytime highs of 10 Celsius with lows overnight of a cool 2 to 3 degrees. That's the forecast and another week in the world of farming. It's the Countryside Links event at the Lincolnshire Showground today and it looks like a good day for it weather-wise as well. If you're at the event or one of the many others happening in the run-up to Easter, then have lots of fun. It is Easter next weekend, but we'll still be here. Sean will be back for your Easter Day edition next Sunday at the usual time. Have a good week.